October 2, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro Show. Well, it's a pleasure and an honor to have John Coltrane in front of our microphone here. And John, I gotta be abrupt with you. I gotta say like this, that uh, your playing has been turned antenna-like, unbeautiful, on just about everything you can think of. And uh, since the uh, playing mirrors the personality, I guess you have some, some uh, personal thoughts of that kind to say. Um, well, uh, let me follow you again. Uh, you said my plan has on what? I didn't say that. <laughs> I said the, what the critics said. Say, oh, well, they uh, seem to think that it's an angry sort of thing. Israel. Some of them do. I don't know about do the critics feel, here. Do you feel angry? No, I don't. Uh, I was talking to a fellow today, and I told him that uh, the reason I play so many... So many, uh, it sounds, maybe it sounds angry because I'm I'm trying so many things at one time, you see. Like, I, I, I haven't sorted them out. I have a whole bag of things that I'm trying to work through and get the one essential, you know. Uh, would, you say, just, would you say that you're trying to play everything you hear at well, one time or something like that? No, there, there are some set things that I know, some devices that I know, harmonic devices that I know that will uh, take me out of the ordinary path, you see, if I use these. But I haven't played them enough, and I'm not familiar with them enough yet, to take the one single line through them. So I play all of them, you know, trying to uh, acclimate my ear so I can hear, you know. In, this... uh, in the uh, album liners of your latest LP, that was the Giant Steps LP, which we have played quite a lot on this show, uh, you claim that you were trying to, to get, a, a, as I understood it, a, a more beautiful sound. Would I you hope to. With that? Well, I, I hope to play uh, not necessarily a more beautiful sound, though I, I would like to, uh, you know, just say tone-wise, I would like to be able to, to produce a more beautiful sound. But now I'm primarily interested in trying to work what I have, what I know, down into a more lyrical line. You know, that's what I mean by beautiful, by more lyrical, so to be, you know, easy, so easily understood. I'm sure our listeners are, as they are mainly collectors of Coltrane records, I'm sure they like to hear you uh, express one thought of, of uh, what you think is, is uh, listenable among your whole production. Oh, uh, you mean of the albums that yes. I've made? Oh, uh, I, I like Blue Train uh, myself. I figured you I would. Have, <laughs> there's such a I good band on there, you know. That's a real, that's uh, a real uh, dangerous uh, album, man. The, and, uh, the, it was a good recording. Mm -hmm. uh, How do you feel about this last uh, quartet recording here, the Giant Steps? I think that was my best quartet recording so far. With you the exception like of maybe Soul Train, I'd put them both about mm -hmm. the same. How would you say uh, working with Miles Davis has influenced you stylistically? Well, uh, it's, it has uh, led me into most of the things that I'm doing now, you know. Yes, had a major stranglehold on you in that matter. I mean, he made you play the way you do, or you you uh, got a chance to play like well, you Well, I've do. been free. I've been so free here, you know, that uh, almost anything I want to try is... I'm welcome to do it, you know, so that's uh, the freedom has helped me. I heard to you were experiment. splitting the Miles Quintet here and then trying something on your own. Yes, I am. 
How's that? With uh, whom? Uh, I have an, I have uh, several men in mind, but I haven't selected the side men yet. You know, I'm going to well, try with like the quartet. What do you feel like working with uh, a, a quartet? Yeah, to begin with, and maybe in uh, several weeks after I start, I might add a fifth man. John, uh, which tenor plays do you think have influenced you, if any at all? All of them. <laughs> I would say all of them. But, uh, do you have a personal favorite, I mean, like you put on a record when you were at home and relaxing and so on? Well, Sonny Rollins is, uh, I think he's outstanding tenor man today, you know. And, uh, that is that's exactly usually. what Sonny Rollins told me on this show about you. So that's, that's usually, that you know, my to be man, a mutual you know. admiration society yeah, here. Yeah, well, he's, uh, he's, he's great. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in the formative days, well, like got, years you, ago, it was Dexter Gordon that uh, mm -hmm. actually was a well, major Well, you, you do have a strong feeling for tradition, haven't you? I guess so. I mean, I would like to even make it stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to... Strengthen my roots, so to say, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, I didn't start at the beginning, and there's a whole lot back there that's, you know, that all young musicians Do should you, have. You uh, privately, I mean, when you're listening, you go back there, I mean, just just on your own account and listen. Well, I don't have many records in that era now, but I do plan to get them. I, I plan to include that in my repertoire. You know, all these old traditional things. So you got to I've been trying recently to uh, search myself, you know, and try to find things that I uh, reminiscent that sound like those things. But I'm really going to do some work on that soon. Well, John, it seems like you're on with the Miles Davis oh. Quintet here, and, and thank you very much for taking the time and dropping in on this You're welcome. Show. Thank you very much. Enjoy it.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Friday, first Friday, October. Uh, start off the show, John Coltrane doing an interview with uh, uh, Carriere, uh Finger in, in 1960. And then we had uh, BQM from Kariki, which brings uh, me to my guest. Where are you calling from, Ian? I'm Rash out of Washington, D.C. I'm at Discord House in Arlington, Virginia. Arlington, that's what I thought. Yep. So, uh, God, and you, people, he has invested in a good microphone so he doesn't have that bunk, lame-ass sound that you're usually used to of people making connects this way. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I was going to, I should point out, by the way, that today's October 2nd, 2020, which means that yesterday, October 1st, um, is the 39th anniversary of when we moved into Discord House. Wow. Yeah, so we're we're a year off of forty on this joint. Thirty, wow. Now, not, you know, I haven't lived here for. You know, I moved out. Of, I don't live here, but I, I, you know, I still I work here. I own the house, so I come out and work here. But Discord House continues. It's the same place that you you, you bunked down many times. That's right, and in fact, in the basement, which was your prac pad, yep. you let the Minuteman prac there. Yep. That tour with Black Flag. And uh, we wrote Love Dance. D. Boone wrote Love Dance. And you're, you had to, st people, the way their uh, seller was, you, you had to stand between the beams. <laughs> right. The rafters. You had, had, rafters. Had, had, literally had your head in the rafters. <laughs> yeah. And so you didn't have a lot of eye contact. <laughs> well, you also could sit down. That was our, that was our secret sauce. You sit ah. down. That's how you get the, that's how, you know, I always thought that's like why, a lot of the band I was in, we were so interested in tight corners because we could sit down and really focus on it, you know. And also, you couldn't be too loud down there. Yeah. You know, you were all, you know, it was, it was, it's too small a room, so we really were able to focus on precision and getting them really tight corners. Yeah, yeah. And what mm -hmm. outside we remember is outside the pad, you guys had, I guess, had twelve packs of cokes and uh, Pepsi's or whatever, uh, strung up like the Christmas tree uh, things. Yeah, we used to drink so much soda pop here that we had um, we could buy those twelve packs of uh, Coca Cola, and then just to raz our new neighbors, we strung them like we had like we kind of put them on string and had them like arched on the porch. People were not psyched about that. <laughs> then you know, I know it was like a year or so, maybe two or three years later, you know Jeff Nelson uh, who lived here and the drummer Meyer Threat and yeah. co-owner of Discord. He had worked at a um, a pharmacy called Drug Fair or a drugstore kind of place. And um, in the basement, he found this massive uh, collection of cardboard bunnies that were a part of some Easter display. Probably, you know, 400 of these cardboard bunnies that are maybe two feet tall. <laughs> and we did it. We completely covered the entire front of the porch wall like when you come up it was like pure bunnies from one side to the other um and i think the neighbors we were you know we were new to the neighborhood i think they were deeply disturbed by what was going on over here um it's funny i lived in this house for 21 years and with the exception of the next door neighbors i never i really never got to know anybody else in the neighborhood i, mean, I knew the woman across the street who called the police on us regularly um <laughs> although we ended up being friends after a while um, after she, you know, she, at some point she had a medical emergency and we helped save her. You know, we were involved to some degree with that. And, and, um, and then we became pals and then I went to her funeral many years later. So, but, um, but really 
I think this house, we were, you know, punk kids. Um, most of us had been out of a school for out of high school for almost a year, and our parents just said, "Okay, go do what you're going to do." And we desperately needed a place. Um, well, first off, we needed like a fort, like a we needed a place, a meeting house, a clubhouse. We also needed a place to practice, which had to be detached, and we needed it to be cheap because we were broke as hell, um, and it had to be relatively safe in terms of the neighborhood. Not so much in our accord, but really because we knew that as soon as we established this base, that all of our friends were going to come see us, um, a lot of whom were much younger, even you know, 13, 14, 15 years old punk kids, and we didn't want to have them having to navigate really, really sketchy neighborhoods. So it was a... You know, so we had a pretty clear like idea of what we the kind of house we are looking for. And um, this is actually the first house we ever looked at. We just walked in the house. Some dudes were sitting there watching TV. And I said, is this a nice house to live in? And the guy's like, I guess so. And I go, OK, I guess we'll take it. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, I and also the land when the person, the owner of the house came, they put down a lease for one year and I crossed one year out and put six months. Cause I thought there was no way I was going to stay here for more than six months. And I ended up living here for 21 years. And now I've, now I've had it for 39. It shows to go. Yeah. Well, yep. what, what, what about this Kariki approach? I mean, you wouldn't imagine that then either, right? No, it's a band, not a project. It's a straight band. Oh, there's a it's, diff. Okay. <laughs> there is. Yeah, I think there is. I think there is. People often say project, and I think it's a diminutive sometimes. Okay. Not I, always. Can I bring up I an example? What about egg hunt? Project. Okay. Okay. Now I know what you mean. Okay, project. That was a studio thing. Palehead, project. Okay. Fugazi, band. Okay. Okay. Evans, band. Okay. Not a project. No, I no. think especially with the Evans, you know, because it was Amy and I were in the band together. Sure. And people say, oh, are you doing a project with your, your girlfriend? And that's, that's I think that's dismissive. <laughs> okay. Because I wasn't. I was doing a band with Amy sure. Farina. And she's a badass. Right. right? This so, is the tradition of Fugazi and Evans. It's not the tradition of Egg Hunt and Pale Hair. Right. But I think that's my distinction. I don't, and I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with a project. You know, I mean, you, I mean, you. I see you, you do all kinds of stuff. It's killer. I love it. As you said, when you talk about a band, don't call it a project. Not you, but one shouldn't call a band a project, you know, because it's there's there's a slight for me at least in my in my linguistic thing. There's a slight semantic. or a semantic thing. It's, it's a different it's a different meaning. But now, anyway, this band, Kariki, yeah. you know, Amy and I were did the evens. Um, we played for over a decade. Um, and uh, and then after 2013, we played our last shows in 2013. And I really had this, I was struggling with the performances um, at the time because I really felt like people, um, I felt like I was playing recitals. <laughs> and, you know, people would just come, we would play, they'd sit, we'd play, and then it would be over. And there was no, I felt there was nothing happening. And also as a two piece is a little bit, the conversation a little tighter. You can't, you can't really wander as a musician because the other person is so dependent on your, like, it's a frame, like you're working together. And, and I think that, um, it just started to feel, I started to have, I struggled with it. I just, and I felt like the relationship with the music, I want, I want shows to be 
like I have a pretty strong thing about what a show is. Like, you know, I always, if you ever see me play with the event or the cricket, I often will say, um, this is a show. I'll say to the audience, I said, the show is, is a joint effort between the performers and the audience. I said, if the audience was not here, we would be practicing. And if we were not here, you'd be having a weird Quaker meeting, right? Because <laughs> there's, so it's actually what a show is, is something that happens between, it's, it's that alchemy between the two, the two elements, right? And, um, and I think I, with the evens, though some of the shows were really great, um, a lot of them I really felt like people were just came to see and they, we couldn't connect on some other level. And so I, I thought I need to take a break from playing anyway, playing shows. But Amy and I never stopped playing. We continued to work on music. We played with um, this guy, Mark Cisneros. You know Mark. Sure. Yeah, Mark played with us for a number of years. Just, But we were not being – at that point, we were just playing. Like that's something I've, I've already made a distinction. Like we're not forming a band. We're just playing music. And people would say, like, well, are you, well, how come you've not been playing? I've been playing. I play three, four times a week I'm practicing. And I'm playing – I'm playing guitar by myself. Practicing. I'm always playing. Like I'm getting there. I don't, you know, I'm getting to where I need to be with my music. I'm just not doing it. I'm not playing shows, and which is different than music, you know. Yeah, and, practicing is the word I get uptight about when people say rehearse. Man, that's oh, I know. That's even I know. I love that about you. <laughs> I still sometimes I'll be saying like, you know, I'm, I'm rehearsing with a band. I can feel you kicking me in the back of the head. Well, I really yet, love I love that about you. I, I have yet to hear a basketball player say, I'm going to the gym and go rehearse some hoops. <laughs> right. Fair enough. But I mean, but it's, inter it's an interesting. But also, I think there's play rehearsal. <laughs> right. And that's a different thing. Like theater, like you're sure, rehearsing sure. something. That Absolutely. means you're, Absolutely. it's like you're scripting. You're working off a script. Right, right. You're right. And I guess when you're practicing in a. Well, you know, if you're practicing, I guess, in the term of using your sports analogy, like you're getting your chops, you know, you're right, getting ready. Right. So you don't know what's going to happen. Actually, in what world, real prac is the gigs, but you can't be any good with that prac unless you have the other, you know, secluded in the bunker prac. I hear you. I'm okay. with you on that. I understand that. I, I, think wanna, I always think it's two different, two different, um, um, yeah, two different fronts in a way. Like, because I think the, the the basement practice is really that work is really intense and in deep. Yeah. And and yeah. you know, we you crawl way up the ass of a song. Yeah. Um, you turn it inside out. Sometimes you destroy it. Yeah. You know. Um. But then, what happens is when you go into a stage, um, suddenly it's in your hands. Yeah. And like it's, it's already there, right? You already got it. And. I think so. We so then Amy and I played with Mark for a year, a year and a half, which was great. And then, um, and then Joe moved back to town. That's right from Italy. Right, and that was 2015. And so I said, you know, we had played with Joe before he went off to Italy, just because you know we're all. I mean, I've known Joe forever, and both Amy, Amy played with Joe, and I obviously played with Joe. And so um, having Joe back in town, we started to play again. And we practice regularly for years um, with no name, just played, played and played and played. And people kept saying, are you, you know, what's going on with your band? I go, we're just practicing. We're just playing music right now. But then we decided to do a show. That's when we became a band. Like, all right, let's become a band. Let's do this. And um, we played our first shows in 2018. 
Um, not many. We're on a tight schedule. Bert, Joe was in Mystetic, so he was super, super busy. And um, and obviously, I'm you know I'm Discord's been busy, and uh, Amy and I you know we have a now 12 year old son, wow. so you know, there's a lot yeah you know, a lot going on all the time. Uh, and obviously, we're not going to be able to do no, we're not going to be able to do the serious. You know, as we call them, stem winders of tours, right? You know, like we can't. You know, Hell we're going right. to have. <laughs> we're not. We're not doing. We're not doing the big circle. Although I must say, I'm. I was thinking about you, and like I don't know if would you if you had anything on the boards this year, but it's interesting to think about, um, like the those you know not going for you to not be playing is something weird in the world, you know. I did take the sixty year off. That's that's right. Oh yeah, that was the first time since uh, D. Boone Georgie days. I want to play here. Jack says.
Honey, there is nothing I can give you Nothing I can do for you today There is nothing I can show you And so you must accept some other way You are weaving through the seasons It's a walk among the thieves You are dear to the assassin And so that's how it has come to Took a while to know you, and even still, it sometimes moves to something not quite settled, something less, less than true. Honey, there is nothing I can tell you. Not a word as we do part. So show me now you're leaving. Show me now your famous heart. Show me now your famous heart. Show me now your famous heart.
this emptied heart.
Pedro Show. That's Jack Says from Kariki. Uh, after that, Natalie Cruz, brand new Tiger. Uh, Will Johnson, you dear to the assassin. And Austin there, the friend of Thor. Silver Apples, the late great Simone. Thank you so much for being ahead of your time in your time, Brother Simone. Sea Green Serenades. Deerhoof, brand new uh, thing where they put together all kinds of other people's songs into their own styly love lord number one i think it was five or six of them uh bomb prendon you know about this band it's a dc band from early 80s that never did gigs only record i guess it was a prodge what was it called bombus prendon no i don't know it. yeah I, I found out you know dangerousminds.net great site and they had a big story on them and i've been playing them uh from, uh, Sorry about the ring in there. That's a, that's real life. Don't worry. That's real life. <laughs> Lanzayama's duo with Plastic Island out of uh, España. Yeah. Uh, guided by voices, Bob Pollard. He's got another album coming up. <laughs> wow. Out of the blue race. Yeah, this guy. Right? What, three albums this year already? Um, it's impressive. <laughs> the Ridiculous Trio. Uh, this is guys doing Stooges with... Uh, uh, trombone and uh, tuba and drums. That's uh, nice. Not right. But wait, but is this a way? You talking about? You're not talking about Little Stooges brass band. You're talking about a it's band a, a, a horn, a brass band that's doing Stooges songs. It's a power trio of just sax uh, or a trombone, uh, tuba and drums. Are you familiar with Little Stooges brass band? No, I'm not. But that's a great idea. Oh, I'm. It's not a. I mean, I was. In, I used to go to uh, New Orleans Jazz Fest. Every year in the late 90s, and I would go down to um, the record store down there and look through the brass, their like local brass band stuff, just because it's so. I see such a parallel with the go-go scene here, and there was a band called Little Stooges Brass Band, and I bought that CD, and it's just so banging. Um, it's such a great piece of work, and uh, and it's so. I mean, if you bought a go-go record here. They were all CDs at the time, but he bought a Go-Go CD. Like the artwork was the same, very similar kind of designs, and like the, all the guys in the front, and 
And um, and then they have like they start the thing out with like the shout outs and all that. And it's so the parallel of it was so fascinating to me. And and I always just love the fact that there was a band called Little Stooges, you know, brass band. And I often wonder if they had any idea if there was a band, they knew who the Stooges ah, were. So they weren't doing um, Stooges material. These guys, they cover Stooges. Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever tell you my Stooges story? This is funny. I think I must have told you the story that when Black Flag first came to Washington in uh, early 1981, they stayed at my mom's house, right? My parents' house. They stayed on the floor with us and they spent a couple of days in town and we had a great time with them um, just hanging. Me, of course, Henry, that's when we all met them really and got to spend all that time with them. And then finally the day you know, they were leaving. And we were just out by that. I think they had like a red van and um, Billy's dad's you know, Chevy van, right? So they were loading up the, loading up, you know, getting everything loaded up. And that sort of sad moment when you know they're like the, they're pressing on. You're not, you know, and you just wish you could get in the van with them. And I, and I, and I said, so like, what do you, like, what do you guys listen to? You know, like just trying to not. I had never toured. Keep in mind, like I didn't never did. I had done some long drives and I know did a lot of time with the juke. And um, so I said, what do you guys listen to? And Dukowski said, a lot of Sabbath, a lot of snooches. And I thought, huh. And then I thought to myself, I think I've heard of Black Sabbath. I think that that guy, Ozzy, like I think that I've heard of Black Sabbath. And I go, but I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought he had like audio recordings of the Three Stooges. I had no <laughs> clue what he meant by the Stooges at all. Period. And I thought that's really weird. Like why aren't they listening to Sham Sixty Nine like the rest of us? You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's an old band uh, television with Richard Hell doing Judy. Uh, oh man, do Little Johnny Jewel. That's this. That's the jam. Right. Well, I played that a few times. This, but this All is right. very live, uh, rare live, nineteen seventy four, Max, Kansas City. So, All right, Judy, well, Judy never made it to an album, so it's a trip. All right, I'll check it out. Okay. And then, and then say yes from Kariki. So, t- tell us about the name Kariki. So we, you know, as a band, like you know, Amy and I were into Evens forever, and then we thought, obviously, we'll call them, if we get Joe to it, we'll just call the band the Odds. That was the idea. I mean, this seemed like an obvious thing to do. And it would just be clean and simple. But um, I just thought, I guess I should look, do a little due diligence and see if somebody's got a copyright on that name. I just don't want to get into any of that. Yeah, it's yeah. just not interested. So I looked up, you know, for other bands called Odds or the Odds. And I found a band. Um, I think they're from Canada, actually. And they had, um, I just read about them and, it said that there was, they had been a band and then they broke up and then some of them put out another record using the same name and then the bulk, I guess, I don't know, they made the original guy, I don't know, the other half put out another record called The New Odds, but then it said something like, after resecuring the name, they put out another record as Odds, or the, and I thought, the oh. word resecuring the name, that, that <laughs> I, I smell lawyer on that, you know, and and so I really, I mean, it's interesting. Like, is it my Lyle? name is, is like Lyle? my name is Ian, and your name is Mike. And do you know how many Ians and Mikes there are in the world? There are a lot, but right? Love. And we seem to be able to get by. But when it comes to this with music, there's this this really deeply disturbing and twisted sort of proprietary business component to it. And though I don't think that um, I'm not particularly would be particularly worried about having two bands called the Odds. Um, 
I think if people who are feeling proprietary or, or protective of their mark or whatever, if they saw that I was using it, they would probably come after me. And I right. thought, well, I don't, it's just not even worth dealing with. So then we started trying to think of other names. And Brendan uh, Canty, drummer of Fugazi and drummer of Mystetics and sure. dear, dear friend, he said, you guys should call yourself Kariki. Um, <laughs> and we all laughed because Kariki is this um, liar's dice game that uh, Fugazi learned uh, from this British band, uh, in 1989 or 90, um, this band, uh, Thatron Acid, um, and they, they took, I, you know, we were backstage at the show and they were sitting around a table slamming a cup down and screaming at each other. And I said, what are you doing? They said, we're playing Kariki. And I said, well, God, I want in on that. Um, so I sat down and learned the game and then Fugazi, the rest of Fugazi's guys learned it. And then we just obsessively played it, came back to DC, <clears throat> played it with everybody here. Amy played it all the time. We taught it to Albini. He taught it to the entire world. Um, <laughs> you know, and it just became this underground game. And the the point. Except Watt of, don't know it. Watt don't know it. Well, Watt was. I'm surprised <laughs> that, that he, uh, Albini didn't make you play it. But um, <laughs> but but well, the point. But the 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 hook of it all is that in that game, like the winning role, no matter what. Like the supreme role is three, a, you know, a two and a one. And he, Brendan just said, you just call yourselves Kariki. And at first we sort of were like, ah, that's, that's a cool idea, but we don't really want to have to explain that it came from a dice game. But then by the time we um, ended up started playing, I think our first show we were called, uh, I mean, we were just called Band. I don't even know what we were called. We had <laughs> Ian, no I got to cut yet. you off. We're at the end of the first hour, October 2, 2020. Special what happened? Mackay. Oh. Hold oh, tight yeah, for yeah. hour two. October 2, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Peter Show started the second hour off with Hard Explained from Kariki. Sam Bennett, Doodah Day. Bold Are the Tears, Samuel Lockward after that. Rat Boy, from, brand new from Chat Pile. That's the name of a band, Chat Pile. Chat Pile, wow. Chat, C H A T. Chat Pile? Yeah, Chat wow. Pile. And then Button on a Fur Coat from Bullets and Balloons. The Flying Vipers with Mash Ton Babylon. And finally, Too Many Husbands, Kariki. By the way, was it Lock? Or is Lyle a lawyer? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for answering. Yeah, but he's yeah he's an independent lawyer. Like a, he does, he just works freelance stuff. He ain't, um, he ain't searching uh, to get all predatory on the odds bands name stealers. Oh no. Okay. Go, that's, not his, that's not his style. No, <laughs> no I know. No, it, and, and to be fair, like I'm not. It's not like I don't. I don't know those the. People who have the name in the odd. I just wanted a name that wasn't going to cause. I just, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't have a lawyer. Absolutely. I'm not getting a lawyer, and I just don't want to deal with any of that stuff. And so, point then. So the thing about the curriculum, the real test of the name curriculum that was yeah. so great was that when you punch it into a keyboard on an internet search, you get zero results. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm about. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I love that. You know, it just. That it doesn't have you don't you're not freighted with all this other s- s- crap that's out there you know um, um, it's I'm trying to think there was some oh you know my my son our son um, when in I think third grade or something this is an aside in third grade um, at his school he goes to DCPS elementary school called Hearst and and um, he did now he's in seventh grade but at the time. They so they each class um, they the kids would pick names like for their um, teams you know like they would they would have they would, they have each they have like names for each class and or cl- each classroom so they were given a list of like two sets of words and they could create these names and I think one one of the things I I forgot it exactly I think it was spicy tacos or something like that <laughs> and somebody was like oh you know that's a funny name. The, they're calling ourselves the Spicy Tacos. And then somebody decided just to just double check that against the old internet. And the results for that were really, really inappropriate. And um, <laughs> so we let the teacher know. I took him aside and I said, just want you to know that you might want to think twice about this because if the kids happen to enter into the into a search engine, the name of their class team, they're going to be a little bit puzzled and or upset um and uh and then they actually looked it up and they were appalled so they really they appreciate that anyway that's the internet for you you know that you can almost you know it doesn't take long before you find something that's doesn't taste good and um and um i think with this it just was so nice because there was no hits the other thing about the name is it 
and this is I love this about this about the name Kariki is that nobody knows or agrees on how to spell it. Ah. And I went back to the source, to the person who taught me the game, and I said, How do you spell it? How is it spelled? And he goes, I have no fucking idea. He has no idea. So nobody knows. Um, so I love that. It's just a sound. And we actually, it, you know, until fairly recent times in the English language, it really didn't matter how things were spelled. What mattered whether or not you could communicate with the, with the sound. You know, if you, through spelling it out, whatever word letters you used, that's why you would see shoppy with two P's and, you know, it could be shop with S-H-O-P or S-H-O-P-P-E. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. right, there's a million, like, those, all that weird, those spellings, um, that was common because really it was just a matter of does it do the job? Does it yeah. communicate what it is? And, and, and I was reading a really interesting article that <clears throat> talked about that the only area really, um, and this may be changing now with uh, the way uh, texting all that is, is affecting um, English language, but for years the only manifestation of that, that practice was really in people, the way people spelled names. So you might see Jennifer could be spelled like, you know, 10 different ways. Sure. Like I'm Jennifer, J J I N E R E R, you know, like, you know, Jennifer, you know, there's just so many weird different versions yeah. of how well, people the, spell their names versus how they speak. Right. We say phonetic, but remember we're, uh, especially the European thing, you're getting everybody to use this one Roman alphabet to do all the sounds. Right. Okay. Right. That's asking a lot. And but what about this idea of a name conjuring an image? For example, I mean, we played with yeah. this band in, up in the city called Uncle Bob Touched Me. That's no. nice. <laughs> Actually, you know, Brendan, Brendan's son, um, Leo, he and his friends had a band called Your Mother and I Are Getting Separated. <laughs> That, I think, is one of the greatest band names I've ever heard. I want to play Last Thing.
Radio Student predstavlja Klubski maraton 20 Klinci Brzojezična junaška rep godba iz Metlike Lele, svetski garažni trio iz radija Kile Kilometrov Spiral Mind, elektrobendovski prostipat z obale Rma, štajevski kantautorski strup v sredinskih flaškah Kava sutra, goriški džezerski prelet v kratki formaciji In Billy Clubs, preorit hardkorovski koktejli iz Trsta Stoletošnja najglasnejša glasbena karavana po domači grudi, ki še dvajsetič kroži po slovenskem klubovju in mestih. Šesterica izbranih bendov preskakuje javno zdravstvene in finančne ovire, ter se podaja na jubilejno koncertno turnejo po vseh državi. MC Pekarna Maribor Trainstation Subart Kran Smak Cirkno Mikmurska Sobota Galerija Simulaker Novo Mesto Metlika Studio Hendrix Radija Koper Makanažo Ilirska Bistrica Carinarnica Nova Gorica Skrita lokacija Ankaran Ptuj In veliki finale v Ljubljani Klubski maraton Najzanesljivejša turneja Po domači grudi Več na Radio Student Pikasi Pošivnica Klubski maraton
sexual. Siempre fue Я ник
so much damage Damage into less than the damage Damage some more Always mixing Molotovs Solitude Trying to fix a score What to do, what to do, what to do for Pedro show that was last thing from Kariki KM20 there's a bunch of stuff from Slovenia a Ljubljana club there called uh, Maritime put out a comp so uh, Pop, uh, Pop T- Popnika from KM20 Billy Clubs with Hitler's Dead uh, I don't know how to pronounce this 3 colon RMA with Running in Blue uh, Leili with uh, Zvan Zebi uh, Klinchi with uh, Ino Noch uh, Globiano Segrovaniana from Kavasutra, Push It from Spiral Mind, and finally, have a cup of tea from Kariki. Have yeah, a my, cup of yeah, tea. That's a good sandwich right there. <laughs> Kariki on top tea. and bottom. The, um, but but, but, funny, but the, a, song, uh, a, a song come in Arlington, Virginia, called Have a Cup of Tea. Yeah. It reminded me, I, you know, me and D. Boone's favorite Who record was Sellout. And there's little spiels in between the tunes, right? And, uh-huh. What's for tea, doctor? 
And that's what I thought of when I, I saw that title. But when I heard the song, you know, I, I don't think you can copyright a title. No. No, you can't. You can't. Words are not. You can't copyright words, Roy. You can copyright logos. Yeah. But you can't. You have to. You have to have a deviated spelling or something. I mean, you that's know, that's the only way. I mean, Discord kind of like it's it's a unique it's a unique mark. Can we? But we don't have it copyrighted. But anyway, or so I, I maybe we do. I don't know if we do anymore. But for we ever did. But at any point, it's like. But like a word like Apple. There's Apple Records and Apple Computers. The question is what? Yeah. What is it? What is the product? And that's why the Apple. You know, when Apple started doing iTunes, that's when the Apple records were like, oh, well, hold on a second. Like, we were right. okay with the computer bit, but now you're getting into music. Right. And that, that started a long, long, long sure. lawyer lawyer thing, you know. Um, the lawyers are always making the money here, I think. You know what I thought? Uh, well, it'd either be that or people shooting each other. Well, they still are shooting each other. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what is the process that goes into writing a Kariki uh, song? Usually, um, I will come up with something like a riff on my. I have like a beat or a guitar, like a semi-acoustic. There's an Italian guitar called a JG. I don't know. It's like a toy guitar practically, but I just sit around strumming on it, and I'll and I'll find something, and I'll and I'll start pulling on that thread, and seeing it just I'll find a riff, and then I'll bring it into the basement with Joe and Amy, and then we just start playing it's just play 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 we just play it forever um like there's a song on the record called shield the bop we yeah. probably i yeah. must have played we must have played that for five years before we finished it we kept just i have literally like dozens if not hundreds of versions of that just us working through it trying to get trying to understand it try to get to the bottom of it um and then once the song starts to take a shape musically then words are applied, um, which is really, um, it's hard. It, I mean, I always know, I always know the melody. Like I know if a song I'm going to sing, I know the melody. And I even know what the song was about, but I literally cannot put it into words yet. So it's like, I know that these songs are about, and they're sort of prenatal or whatever. What do you call it? Like they're sort of, what do you call it when you're still in gestation? In like you're yeah, still you're in the womb. Yeah, you're still in the womb. Like I know what these songs are about. Then the thing I, I realize that that for me at least, like what comes naturally to me is just the riffs and the music itself. And then and it's important to me. Like I'm not I'm not kidding around about it. So then when I write words, the words I have to write, I they have to have the same they have to be like they're serious for me because I want them to reflect what the music is to me. And now they may not be exactly about the same thing, um, but they, they have, there's a, a similar tonality. And that's one of the reasons it takes us so long to write. Like right now I'm I'm sitting like I keep writing riffs and we probably have. I don't know, 50. I have no idea how many pieces of music that we will just Come, we go in the basement and just start kicking one around and see if we can get to wake up. Well, you're um, psychic because fucking the next song I'm going to play should should deal about. Should about. And yeah. you know we're at the end of the second hour, October two, twenty twenty. Dishwap Peter show special guest Ian McCall. Time for hour three. October two, twenty twenty. It's the third hour of the lot for Pedro.
was given in hopes of transgression to people lying one in the road. We all stare at our Tears of joy. 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 T
show start off the third hour Kariki Shadila Bob which have incredible uh, I mean the lyrics are a point because you printed them on the on the jacket you know on that oh, I'm not yeah the lyrics are serious yeah, for yeah, sure yeah. yeah I mean I, I always because I think again it's hard to I mean I've been it's hard I've been I've thought about this for a long time because like I when Fugazi Pretty much always the music came first, and then we wrote words, and then we had to. So, and I started to think, well, why do I struggle so much actually getting the words together? It's because I wanted I want to do well, obviously, but also because I want the lyrics to have a weight that is commiserate with with the music, like the way the music makes me feel. Like I, I think I started to feel like I had a writer's block because I couldn't write lyrics. But the truth is, like I didn't have a writer's block with music. That just came out of me. It was just that once I wanted to make it, once I wanted to make it public, I had to put words on it. That's the point. I, like if like if you could tinker around, let's say you're a chef and you and you and you really get some, you make food. And the process of making the food is really deep and important to you, and and you and you create this food, but then you want to serve it. You got to plate it somehow, right? You got to put it out. You got you know if you have a cake, you got to put icing on it. And that's sort of the way I think about lyrics. Is it like I I would be happy just playing any music just playing my guitar sitting around for the rest of my life i'd be happy to do that but if i'm going to share it then i want to put some words on it so it communicates on different levels um that's just that's just me i'm not saying that everyone should do that i'm just saying that's how i how i work and so i think with um a lot of the songs i know the melody um i just don't know the words but eventually i figure them out because i got to because i want to play well, I gotta well, do well, it. well what's your th- what's your uh Thoughts on instrumental music? I think it's it depends. Like it's 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 tonal. So, for instance, um, if it's a great like a dance thing, then that can be really compelling. Like they're a great instrumental dance band. And or if it's like a like a prog thing, um, sometimes when you seeing it live, especially um, when you see or jazz, when you see that live. You feel that the crackle of the you know the of of the energy between the musicians, and that is really profound. Um, and sometimes with jazz, I have to say, sometimes the, the singing actually, because I think a lot of times with jazz, is, the words are structured almost like a, more like an instrument than they are 
um, they're they're not as spiritual to me somehow. They seem more like they're they fit the the structure, um, but the, they sometimes are distracting for me from the instrumental aspect of it. But with punk rock, it was always about the words to some degree, and um, I don't know. I mean, most I don't. I'm not a huge fan of purely instrumental bands. Um, it depends. So I mean, it really depends on. Some bands have been pretty incredible, but then you see them a few times, and you're like, okay, well, I've seen them. Like I don't know, but I've seen a band. The bands who I'd love to are, you have like a singer or singers, who have like a charisma. Um, then you got. I always want to see them every time. Right. You never know what's going to happen next. Right. So I guess the short answer it depends. Uh, we had it, Crane after that with uh, Our Tears of Joy, Bronze Age, UFO. What's Crane? He's the guy who played trumpet in the Minuteman, like Project Mersh. Uh huh. He lives in Idaho now. I love that record, by the way. Oh man, that's it's not as bad as Three Way Tie, but kind of embarrassed a little bit. I don't know. I don't agree. I mean, I know the, the Steppenwolf cover. Especially. I was, I was really. T- I think the the cover of that record is one of the. Greatest. Oh yeah, well that's a D Boone painting. Yeah, it's a beautiful painting. Yeah. Where yeah. is that thing? I think Brother Matt has it here in Pedro. Bronze Age UFO out of Baltimore after that with Alan Butte said this part D and then Inauguration Day. Ricky playing the whole record here. We're good. Yeah, because I love it, man. This is a badass record. In fact, I want to play this 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 title scared me. Clean kill.
Watt from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Clean Gill from Kariki Off Air. People, uh, Ian enlightened me to this stuff. And I was, I had the right feeling about it, but he uh, articulated to me. It's a very heavy tune. Heaven Channel Season 2 uh, LP4 from Galaxy. They did 18 albums so far during this uh, Quentin Quarantino mode, people. So don't sit on your hands. King Lear was written during a lockdown 400 years ago. Kariki, final music. Woulda, coulda. And Pedro here, we say woulda, shoulda, coulda. But I think that's what the, it was originally called woulda, shoulda, coulda. Okay, okay. You know, you, 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 it was like I was in that sailboat and you caught me with the wind. It just filled my sails with that. I mean, the whole record, you know, I'm, a, I'm partial to trios anyway. There's more room in the boat. But there's also the interplay, the, the dialogue that you got going with Amy and Joe. It's right. Fucking bitching. Thanks, man. Really? And I would say to you, that's exactly what I was saying earlier about, like, Amy and I played together for so long, and having Joe coming into it, it was just suddenly the conversation just changed. That's what it is with music, though. It's always relationships and conversations. Um, and, you know, and we all have, like, a, we have this sort of, it's just so nice. And, like, and, you know, we've been practicing straight through all this mess. We've been, you know, through the lot, we practice three days a week, still. Just practice, practice, practice. We practice, you know, and then we get... Work. I, yesterday I was I was working scrubbing in an oven at this trying to clean up this apartment for a friend of ours who's moving in, and try, I was just doing all this work and I was listening to just practice tapes, and thinking like, all right, I got some. I, I think these ideas are working. Like I just I'm studying all the time, just working on it. You mean and round, I, you're, you're talking about but, round two of Kariki? There'll be another one. I hope so. Oh yeah, we have so many pieces of music. We got to. We're trying to get it together. Never stop playing. That's a great philosophy. But, uh, yeah, uh, how long did it take to record this record? Well, we were a little bit hamstrung by the, um, just, there was just logistic issues because we, we had a kid in, in school, uh, elementary school at the time, I think, or maybe it was middle school. But anyway, so we could only do it in the early part of the day before someone would have to go get him from school. Um, so we, it was, but I would say, it took us a while, like, you know, maybe, I can't remember, maybe 10 days of sort of tracking. And then we just took us forever to finish it because we just we couldn't get it. Joe went away for a bunch of time and then he had to come back from tour and then we'd go in and knock out a couple of things. And so over probably over, a you know, a month and a half total of just time frame. But then in total days, I don't know, two weeks, 14 days. I don't know, actually. It's hard to add it up because I don't remember. I, I, I was just curious because the shit is tight. Well, Don Zintera, who runs Inner Ear Studios, who I've worked with now, I mean, actually, in August, it was 40 years of working with Don. Yeah. Um, and he's a superhero. You met, you ever meet him? I don't think so. Well, next time you come out, we got to go. You, you would love this guy. Um, and he's just – so he really stepped up on this recording. It's his studio. Like I said, I've worked with him since – my original when he, I first started working with him when I was in the Teen Idols, yeah. he had a he had built the desk the this, the mixing desk, and um, he had a four track, and he was just starting. And now it's like you know it's a full on studio, but he still has that um, completely eccentric feel to him. He's never kowtowed to like the commercial market at all. He just loves making recordings with people and. Um, 
that process, it was such a, I had such a nice time and he did such a good job recording this time. He, he has a really deep understanding of sound. One that I don't have, but you know, <laughs> it's okay. We all, know. we all can't be, can't be on bass either. It, I'm curious, is your son into music? Does he play? It's funny when he was little, he really wanted to play trumpet, which was interesting since I don't play trumpet and Amy didn't play trumpet. And, but I had a trumpet sitting around the house and he started playing by himself. And then he, um, so we got actually Mark Cisneros, the aforementioned Mark Cisneros sure. came out, came over and started teaching him trumpet could Mark can play anything. And, um, and then, uh, then he wanted to play piano for a little while and he practiced that. He'd learned a little bit of piano and then he said, okay, I'm not playing any more music, but, um, he listens to music all the time. Very weird music. I don't know. It was like newer stuff. That's not commercial. It's all very weird, um, kind of jokey hip hop, weird. And I don't know weird instrumental thing. I can't quite figure it out, what his, what he's cooking with, but, and every <laughs> once in a while he'll, he'll pull out something. I hear him sing him to himself. And I think well, he, he's really, there's something going on over there, but, and also, I have to say, when he was, when Amy was pregnant with him, she practices drums every day, period, end. So the whole time she was pregnant, she practiced with him in the belly. Yeah. And then when he was born, she would practice when he napped in, in a sack hanging off of her. So he may not play drums, but they're in there. Yeah, and if you can do drums, you can do anything musical. I was just curious. It's been a big honor to have you on the show, Ian, truly. Oh. And yeah, when Karaoke Two comes around, or any of your prods, you got like yeah. maybe fucking Egg Hunt Part Two. I don't see that happening. <laughs> that was a that was a moment. You know why it's called Egg Hunt, by the way? No, no idea. It but I recorded, always wondered. It, it, always wondered. It was recorded on Easter. Okay, <laughs> that's it. That was it. Jeff said we call it Acorn. That's okay. beautiful. I love you so much, Ian. People, it's been the September, October 2, 2020 edition of Wapito Show. Keep your powder dry.